Hey, everybody, welcome back to Gear 30 from the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we have another Blister Labs edition of Gear 30 for you, and our guest is Travis Hainsworth, who is the Associate Director of the Western CU Boulder Computer Science Program. And Travis is an absolutely integral part of the whole Blister Labs work that we're doing, including deciphering all of this data that we are collecting on our wheelset testing. Now, when we aren't dragging Travis out into the field to help us out with all of the motion capture work that we're doing and the ensuing analysis, Travis is teaching courses such as Intro to Robotics, Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, and System Dynamics. Travis also has a forthcoming publication with a title I love called Bio-Inspired Untethered Locomotion of Soft Snake Robot. We actually talk about soft robotics in this very conversation. And to pick just one other publication of Travis's, um, let's go with um, Automated Synthesis of Pneumatic Soft Actuators. Now, if you want to know why I'm telling you the kind of courses that Travis teaches in a couple of his publications, I'll be honest with you. It's because Travis and I get pretty loose in this conversation. And I can imagine if you are a particularly unfun, boring, dry engineering type, this conversation might not be your cup of tea. However, If you are a member of 99.9% of the rest of the human population, I think you are going to see just how much fun Travis is, in addition to being wicked smart, as our friends on the East Coast would say. And it is precisely Travis's combination of serious fun and serious intellectual firepower. That's why we all love Travis so much in these parts and are so happy to have him be a part of our Blister Labs team. Now, just before we get started, I want to, of course, remind you about our upcoming Blister Summit. That takes place here in Mount Crested Butte, February 12th through the 16th. And it was nice. I got a text today from Hoji saying that he was really excited to come out to the summit. He was proposing a couple topics that he thought we should talk about at the summit. So, of course, I'm going to do that, right? When Hoji suggests you talk about something, I think we pretty much just should all talk about that. So, come out here, meet Hoji, ski with Hoji, have some really smart conversations that were probably his idea. And Travis is definitely going to be at the summit. And while I hope this isn't true, maybe he will be at the summit skiing on his one ski quiver setup that I find absolutely appalling. So basically, my work is to have him on a different setup before the summit happens. So you all should probably know this by now, but if you become a Blister member, you get a discount on your Blister Summit registration. So the smart money around here, you become a Blister member, then you register for the summit, then we all have basically the best time of the entire season. So if you hate fun, if you're one of those dry, boring, dull engineering types who hates fun, you probably aren't going to like this conversation and you probably hate the Blister Summit too. So all the rest of you, let's do this, okay? And with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Travis Hainsworth in Blister Headquarters, which is in Elevation Hotel and Spa, which is where we are hosting our Blister Summit. So that means this is where you ought to be real soon this season too. Okay, let's get to it. Travis Hainsworth, everybody. Travis. Yes, sir. Wonderful to have you back here in Blister Headquarters. You and I are currently enjoying New Image Brewing's Fanny Pack. Ooh, it's quite good. But you just said something before I hit the record button. You said, this is very fitting. 
because this whole thing got started with a drink. And I don't know what you mean. Because uh, my memory, Blister, I've said this, Blister has destroyed my memory uh-huh. irreparably. Okay. So remind me here. And then. Uh, okay. So we were at John Norton's Christmas party. Uncle John, yeah, yeah. as we should all call him. And wait, wait. Like just the other night or like yeah, a year Wednesday. ago? Okay. Yeah. Three, a week ago. A week ago. We are at Uncle John's Christmas party and. Uh, Oh, okay. Had a lot of faculty members, and we decided we needed to do a character piece on Travis Hainsworth. It's like a character, but an audio character. And you had brought, <laughs> and you had brought whistle pig whiskey. Yeah. Uh, some people call it other things too, yep. but uh, we don't need to get into that. And uh, I think we were all having a good time. I was having a good time, so I didn't have any whistle pig whiskey, but I brought some other whiskey. If you want some. No, because I, I told you, I'm, as is often the case with me, I say this way too often and it's really causing me to think I need to reevaluate my whole life, but I have to go get a workout in after this. So, we're, we're having one beer. I agreed to have one beer with you and then I'm going to go work out. Right. <laughs> right. Okay. So, I don't think I've ever been with you and you haven't said that, uh, which explains why you're in such peak physical shape. Uh, and it is true. You agreed to one beer, mm-hmm. but that was just in terms of beer. And we didn't talk about any other beverages we did not. that you might ingest. And there's a story behind this. So, I had a buddy who decided to road trip across the U.S. He had his truck that he kind of made into a camper truck, minus the shell. So, I don't know what he did when it rained. But then he also had this Subaru BRZ. He called me up and he's like, hey, Travis. Will you babysit the BRZ for the summer? Like, yeah, I'll babysit the BRZ. It ended up going on for an entire year, which I got the good end of that stick. I just babysat a Subaru BRZ. But he ended up moving to Kentucky in the end and sent me this uh, bottle mm. of, of, of bourbon. So it's uh, mm. straight from Kentucky. Man, see, this isn't fair. Mm. You know I love bourbon. Mm. You know I'm trying to work out. Mm-hmm. I feel like this isn't. I don't. I'll go with. A, I'll go on a run with you after this. If <laughs> if it really if it entices you, all I have are my skinny black jeans. But I'll run in those. Oh man! All right, so. we're, we'll sort this out afterward. But um, okay. Th- I didn't know that part of the story, but uh, we'll figure this out, or we'll or we'll find another time. This will be a negotiation <laughs> once we're done here. Anyway. Okay, when you said this all started with a drink. Okay, so you're talking very recent history. Very I recent. thought it was like the first time you and I ever met. I think the first time you and I ever met wasn't, oh, actually, it was at the Blister Summit. It was, yeah. It was at the Blister Summit. Okay. Yeah, you were was, eating an apple. I can't remember <laughs> what there was about the apple, but, oh, you were going to throw the apple at somebody. At the audience, if they didn't be quiet. I spoke for the, up and you didn't give me the apple. Oh, yeah. Well, you didn't oh, yeah. Throw it I was head. threatening. I was yeah, threatening because uh, we were trying to get the audience to quiet down so we could start our panel sessions. Mm-hmm. I had to. I had to resort to a lot of violent talk. <laughs> you really did. They I know. Like to talk amongst themselves. I. I have a strategy for this next blister summit. Hashtag super soakers. <laughs> it's my strategy to get people to sit down because we got to start when we got to start. Yeah. So that's what I think I'm going to do because I don't think people are going to. The threats of throwing apples at them didn't, didn't really work. work. Especially after I called you out and we all knew you were just lying. Yeah, you've called my bluff. So anyway, we're working <laughs> on that. But the reason you are here at the moment, at least that we're recording a conversation as mm. opposed to just hanging out, mm-hmm. you amazingly, if anyone just listened to the last seven minutes of our conversation, are a key person <laughs> in our whole blister labs program and this, this is one of the things that i very much appreciate about you because as people are about to hear you are really a math guy but you're also fun and we like our math people to be fun uh i'm gonna i don't know if the right terms push back a little bit here's the reason i think i'm here okay like, okay i'm walking away from the microphone I don't know what he's doing. Whoa. 
No. Jonathan was giving me a hard time about this. But okay, what wait. I have here to show Jonathan the perfect ski no. is some twin tips. No. 105 underfoot center mounted Dinafits. Asymmetric in their color. Uh, they said the perfect ski doesn't exist. <laughs> and Jonathan agrees. But there's this. No, uh, so I, no. had to, I don't know if that's why we're here. Was to this is not why we're this? nope. This is not why we're here. I told you the other night. This is an absurd setup. <laughs> also a dangerous setup. Yeah, because that's your resort. You so anyway. This is literally, the only pair of skis I own. We. I told you we need to talk. <laughs> I mostly, honestly, want to get you a, a dedicated alpine binding yeah. for resort skiing, and I want to get you on our blister plus spot insurance badly because this is your silly setup i know so we have a lot to talk about but you're derailing our conversation travis you're Uh, supposed to be saying smart things about math (laughs) and science (laughs) and um so and i did take some pictures of his setup so we will include (laughs) we will include in this post and on social you will get to see travis's center mounted dinafit binding having surface skis his one ski quiver <laughs> um <laughs> all right uh, travis yes 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 what did you do your degree in oh yeah so i came from the university of utah with a bachelor's and a master's degree in mechanical engineering where i studied how a robot can move <laughs> can can learn to love yeah have i already told you about this no oh my gosh yes no so, it's not true uh, okay so the whole my whole master's thesis is how can we take a four-legged robot and how can we make it move in a way that a human interprets an emotion so as humans we might see a dog and think that's an angry dog or that's a scared dog or that's a happy dog how can we have a robot move in a way that is kind of reminiscent of that that we look at that and say that's a happy robot that's a mad robot that's an angry robot uh, so kind of what you just said no that's not what i just said i was go <laughs> have, wait a second have you seen the movie her no should I? This is the most disappointed I've ever been in you. Yes. Even beyond the ski setup? Uh, second most disappointed <laughs> I've ever been in you. Um, you need to watch, you really need to watch that movie. And by the time we're done with this conversation, I think people will maybe understand why I really want you to watch that. One, it's a phenomenal movie. But given your interest and background in robotics, I think you will, and given my joke about mm-hmm. you were studying how do we get robots to love, um, this this will come full circle, but okay. okay. Her needs to be on your watch list for okay. sure. Okay, so you said that's what you did at University of Utah. Yep. So I did my bachelor's and master's degree at the University of Utah. Then I came to the University of Colorado in Boulder to get my PhD, also in mechanical engineering. And there transitioned from these rigid robots that that we think of with movies like Chappie. You seen mm-hmm. Chappie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. But how do we transition to something that instead of having all these rigid components is a little more compliant? So uh, something more like a jellyfish. Humans, we have these rigid bones mm-hmm. uh, and then we have these discrete rotational joints. But a jellyfish is kind of this one big flexible membrane and that's hard to create with the components that we think about in robots like Chappie. Um, So that's what my PhD was on, was soft robots. Um, Is that literally the category? It's called soft robots? (laughs) Yep, that's the category. You can find uh, academic journals on soft robots and academic conferences. There's one called SORO, soft robots. SORO. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag SORO. Hashtag SORO. Why do you care about that? So soft. Or, or what got you like interested in that enough to go do a PhD in Soro? Soro. Hashtag Soro. Soft robots themselves don't captivate my interest so much as the tools 
that we can use to create soft robots. So up until this point, you create a soft robot using maybe some Ecoflex that you mold, you mix it by hand, you mix up this mixture, and you pour it into a mold, and then you have to kind of put different pieces together that you adhere. And to me, it always felt really reminiscent of arts and crafts projects as a middle schooler, but with good proper math behind it but wait arts and crafts for <laughs> middle schoolers but with good proper math, math behind it that's how you get the phd part uh gotcha. but but that, that's what it was up till now but we're seeing this emerging topic of how can we create soft robots more reliably and more quickly and that's where things like additive manufacturing come along which is mm-hmm. the the academic version of 3D printing. Hmm. So how can we 3D print soft robots? How can we 3D print flexible structures that are airtight, that you can uh, manipulate? Um, And that's what really captivated me was 3D printing and its applicability to robotics. Um, So that's what drew me into the field. Okay. We're going to go back to the very beginning soon here. But again, why do you care about 3D printing? Right. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. So what I really like about 3D printing is that it is a manufacturing tool that just about anybody who's interested in it has access to. You can get a high quality 3D printer for $300 off Amazon and contrast that with your traditional subtractive manufacturing methods with a mill and a lathe and those aren't accessible. Those aren't easily accessible to the general public. So 3D printing has kind of emerged as a hobbyist device that can also do really impressive mechanical engineering feats. So to have an influence in a field that just about anybody can access is really exciting to me. Uh, It's something that feels like it has an impact on the world, maybe, even though. I've had pretty small impact, but 3D printing seems to have the potential for changing the accessibility of engineering. That's something that we have in high schools Mm. now. You can go to your public library Mm -hmm. and play with a 3D printer, which Mm. is harder to do with a mill or a lathe. So we're opening up the field of STEM to just about anybody who's interested in it. It still requires some background knowledge, but you can go to your library and 3D print something. And that's, that's neat to me something that the world can access and play with and use and build on. So I hear you there talking about the kind of democratization of engineering. Mm. Is that fair? Democratization. I don't have the philosophy in English background that you do. Democracy makes me think of uh, voting, but maybe equitable access to engineering the equitification the equitification i'm pretty sure i just made that word up i'm using it that's going in the next paper that's really good oxford english dictionary equitification of engineering i'll put that in the next research paper all right we're now now we're full back to the beginning (laughs) because it's still you know some listener of gear 30 might be like okay i get what travis is into I still don't know why he cares or when these sorts of concerns started to develop in him. Mm. So were you just left alone a lot as a child? (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah. Speaking of spot insurance, so as a child, I raced dirt bikes, Mm. broke a lot of bones. Mm. I ended up getting a Mitsubishi Eclipse GSX. It was my shop teacher in high school was pretty disappointed because he was old and had a unfavorable view of Japanese manufactured cars. But uh, an amazing car. I ended up breaking it though and spent a year trying to rebuild the engine. Hmm. Wait, how old were you? uh, 17. Okay. And I decided then that I wanted to be a mechanic. Hmm. And my mother approved. She was like, Travis, you can be a mechanic as long as you go to college first. So here we are. That's the, that's the barter. That's the barter. Here we are a lot of college later. 
And I've reflected back on that and the impact that Fred Ward had Hmm. on my upbringing, my auto shop teacher, is uh, significant. Um, But as I talked to other people, they didn't have access to something like an auto shop in in high school. And that's something that had a big influence on me. Uh, But things like... 3D printing or um, I guess that's the topic that we're on right yeah. now is is something that somebody who has mechanical uh, interest, somebody who likes to tinker can, can have access to and mm. things like an auto shop or going back to subtractive manufacturing, not everybody has access to those. So yeah. that equitification, equitification. equitification. Um, is bringing something that I really love to uh, the general world, I guess. I, feel I like that. Was that. A ramble. I, it was a little bit, but mostly what I'm stoked on is Fred Ward. Fred Ward. This episode is dedicated to Fred Ward. This Shout one. out to Fred Ward. Yeah, we raise Cheers, our glasses man. to you, Fred. Um, that's amazing. And I love that. I, lo- I will always have all the time in the world for people telling stories about a particular person in their life who came along and sort of set you on this whole trajectory of yours. That is always amazing, right? Yeah, you really did. Like, I was dead set on becoming becoming a mechanic Mm -hmm. and didn't end up going down that route, but still have a love for mechanics, which is why I'm in mechanical engineering. Um, Yeah. Big impact on my upbringing. Hmm. Um, oh, but spot insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Broke a bunch of bones. Okay. Broke a bunch of bones on uh, on dirt bikes and then got a street bike and then got hit by a car. Broke some bones there. Then got on a mountain bike. Broke a bunch of bones there. And now I'm thinking I haven't been injured skiing yet. Maybe it's something to do with wheels. But you bring up a good point that... Uh, Skiing's dangerous, mm-hmm. irregardless, regardless, regardless, of, not irregardless, no. regardless yeah. of of what of what bindings you have. Though some bindings may uh, be less have a proclivity, be less for injury? appropriate for hard inbounds resort yeah. skiing. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't been injured on skis yet, but dude, uh, you just changed yourself. You, lit- I'm not letting you oh, leave yeah, this yeah. room until you get the spot. The spot thing now. I know. I really need to. It's literally like a weird thing since we've launched this. I'm now like panicked for everyone in my life. Mm -hmm. It's very strange, but it's absolutely true. It's now like I'm everyone's parent. Yeah. And I just like parents just worry incessantly about (laughs) their children. That's me with everyone in like the ski and mountain bike world. And it's, I don't. I'll call you my ski daddy. (laughs) Oh God. But seriously, we have to, we we have to get you a more appropriate like inbound setup and spot insurance and spot insurance. So you mentioned it briefly. You grew up in Utah. Yes. But you have not mentioned skiing. You weren't, you weren't <laughs> the, the Utah, what do we call them? U- U- Utahns. Utah who started skiing at the age of one. That no. wasn't, you were doing As dirt, bikes. dirt bikes. Yeah. Had a very redneck upbringing. Uh, but with a religious background, so redneck, but minus Ooh. alcohol. Um, <laughs> luckily, I've gotten over that. Cheers, mate. New Image Brewing. Uh, which, uh, anyway, where are we going with that? Anyway, redneck. Redneck, redneck religious, without New Image. I mean, a religious red, redneck. Religious redneck. I mean, there's a few of those out there. Uh, there's a lot in Utah. <laughs> a lot in Utah and probably the rest of the world. I don't know, but that's where my background is. I skied one season in fifth grade and then decided motors were more interesting and then in when i was 19 18 18 or 19 realized that i would rather go rock climbing Mm. than go to church on sunday Mm. um so got way into climbing and it wasn't until two three three seasons ago that I got into skiing. So yeah, skiing's new for me. Three seasons ago is when I started sub one now, season as a child. You and I have yet to ski, but the reports about you, I mean, Jenny Blacklock <laughs> is like, Travis is an amazing skier. 
I don't really even care about that. The way that she described your kit, that's that's what I'm interested in. Oh my gosh. I mean, I've seen your ski kit. That part kind of scares me, but I've heard talk of the pink helmet, mm-hmm. the like trench coat, but with like a- uh, For her lined hood? Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, right. The setup. So <laughs> this stems from <laughs> all humans are very complex humans and my ski setup can attest to that. Hmm. So number one, I think that females have a far superior wardrobe options. Hmm. Maybe that's not the case for ski options. Uh, hashtag blister labs and ski tests and stuff. <laughs> but, um, but there needs to be more fur-lined hoods. Stuff in the world. Yeah. So so I'm immediately on board with that. Same with pants. They have way better, or women have way better ski pants. Hmm. Someday I'm going to find myself a good fitting pair of those. But uh, then next, pink helmet. Uh, it was cheap and it was really cool. Um, as a good, so this was all during my time as a PhD student. As a PhD student, I have, or I had a master's degree in engineering, but I was making a little less than $25,000 a year, which felt frustrating at times. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt that I had the educational background to make a little bit more money than that. Mm -hmm. um, but a result of that was trying to get cheap stuff. So I had a pair of skis from thehouse.com that was a couple years old. The Dina fits I got from an old climbing discount that I had. So I, up until very recently, I was skiing some La Sportiva Citrons. Are those the schema ones that are blue and green? Okay. We're so off topic right now, and this is turning into like a cry for help. You don't, <laughs> you don't schemo. <laughs> okay. So the whole reason I got into skiing is because I was way psyched on mountaineering and ice climbing. And then- gotcha. One night, one time, I tried to climb a mountain. Didn't go as well as I thought. Got severely bad frostbite hmm. on my toes. But that, that was the motivation for the Dina fits. Uh, I don't know how a schemo really related to my twin tip. It did 110 underfoot, but... Punchline, it didn't. <laughs> Unless you want one ski to rule them all. <laughs> Frodo, am I right? Oh, no. I hate Frodo so much. I don't know what you're talking about. You like Frodo? I don't know what what is Frodo. I know Lord Freud. of the Rings. Oh, Frodo, that Frodo. Frodo. Yeah, one ski to rule them all. It's like uh, a ring. Yeah, I yeah, I'm off my game. It's because you didn't drink any of that drink. bourbon. <laughs> yeah, um, Frodo. Do you like Lord of the Rings? I like The Hobbit. I do not like The Lord of the Rings. I like that genre a lot. Wait, the books? Are we talking the books or the movies? Both. You know what we do agree on, though? That Frodo's a little <laughs> witch with a B? No. Bullet Train is rad. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Bullet Train is the best. It is so good. It's amazing. Okay. Um, okay. Further cementing. Our relationship? Yes. Um, we had a quite a fired up conversation about Bullet Train so before we actually hit the record button. But where we were in this was something... Actually, I have no idea where we were. I'm lost, but I had fun getting here. <laughs> so, this is where we're going to go. Blister Labs. Blister Labs. We're nearly 30 minutes in. This we is... have 15 minutes? Yeah, <laughs> I'm cutting you off in 15 minutes. This so, isn't my fault. I'm, I'm cutting you off It is. It minutes. is your fault. But um, okay. Blister Labs, I said this at the top and now I will have been proving right at this point. You are an integral part of what we're doing with Blister Labs, and you have been a super integral part on the whole wheel set testing that we've been doing. And that's actually what we are supposed to have been talking about for the last 30 minutes. So we probably should hurry up and do a bit of that. We should get into it. Um, so two things we want to talk a bit more. People, we have a short video that we put out the kind of where you can see Travis in action. My favorite part of all of that is you looking like a weirdo. Like, like you have, it looks like you have a squeegee and you're just like doing some like weird fairy mountain dance with like this squeegee. Um, 
so people should definitely watch the video. Mm -hmm. What were you doing with your like interpretive dance? I was praying to the mocap gods. No, you weren't. What were you actually doing? <laughs> and I don't know if it was you or Greg. Somebody had irritated them because that day was hard. So the uh -huh. mocap gods needed as much appeasing as they could get. But we appealed to the mocap gods <laughs> by taking this squeegee. So if you haven't watched the video, you should. It's really yes. neat. This yeah. technology that we're working with is so much fun and powerful for data analysis and characterization of systems. But in the video, we show 12 different cameras that are arrayed along uh, this short mountain bike track. Mm -hmm. And these cameras take photos at 1,000 frames per second. So it's a video at 1,000 frames per second. And each of these cameras has been synchronized so that when it sees a reflective marker, it can orient it in 3D space. And so that's what that squeegee is for, is that squeegee has three different markers. And as we wave the squeegee throughout the mountain bike track, it's taking these markers and calibrating the camera. So the markers are a fixed distance apart. And so it can take those uh, markers and calibrate where each camera is in space so that in the future when an unknown marker comes by it can then know uh, where that marker is so so we were appeasing the mocap gods through calibration with a squeegee what is the actual name of the squeegee a calibration wand calibration wand yeah yeah which not squeegee. Nope. Yeah. Still kind of fits with the narrative of appeasing to the mocap gods, though. What it's a was, wand. What's mocap? Oh, yeah. That's the mocap, the motion capture. The motion capture system. Yeah. Okay. So the motion capture Man, system. Man, I am off today. I didn't I get the know. Frodo reference. Yeah, but you got mocap eventually. I'm sorry, everybody. But anyway, Travis, keep us, you're, you're just carrying this conversation. <laughs> you can hop on my coattails anytime. <laughs> um, no, that's not true. But. The motion capture system. So these cameras that you saw in the video, now that you've paused the podcast and went and watched yeah. it, these cameras are what Hollywood uses for overlaying um, maybe a monster atop a human. So when we're watching uh, the Avengers and you have yeah. Thanos, I'm sure you've watched behind the scenes where there's some guy in a green room with a black suit with silver dots on it. Josh Brolin. Is that who that is? Yeah. Is he the really tall one who's in all the Guillermo del Toro videos? No, Josh Brolin. Uh, did you ever see Sicario? No. Oh my God, Should so I? good. I watched it again the other day. How's it compared to Bullet Train? Uh, it's better. It, Sicario is absolutely freaking amazing. Okay. Pretty dark. I'm on board with that. Super amazing. Uh, Josh Brolin. Uh, oh, No Country for Old Men. Talk mm. about keeping with dark films. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, some he's been in a lot of things anyway okay was he thanos or was he yeah just yeah he's thanos suit? he's thanos nice okay but wait Wonderful is there job. like a giant that's actually used for the mocap for thanos that would make more sense josh brolin is not a <laughs> real actually tall hagrid uh it was hard to get hagrid on set because everybody thinks that he's fake little do you know hagrid's real um his last name is hagridius imdb him not the actor I don't know. Hagrid Again, himself. I don't know what you're talking Harry about. Harry Potter. Hagrid. I have, I've never seen any Harry Potter have movies. Have read books? No. Okay. No. For those of you who have watched the movies but not read the books, Dumbledore does not die in the books. I so. feel like you just did some spoiler thing where like you just ruined like... At least eight people's lives. Uh, eight people's lives. Yeah. Have you read all the books? Yes. Are you a Harry Potter guy? Uh, I read them as a kid. And you love them? Of course. Okay. Is it bad that I haven't read them? I don't care. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I have a long reading list. I don't really... Don't put that on your okay. reading list. Okay. Um, I have so we? many books that we should put on that reading list first. So, Josh Broman. Brolin. Brolin. <laughs> I know not whether he is large... Just little. Not that little, tall. Yeah. Then he probably was not the one <laughs> who... Was the mocap. Was wearing the mocap okay. markers. But maybe he was. Anyway... 
So you have somebody wearing the suit with all the reflective markers, and that's what captures the human-like movement of the monsters in Lord of the Rings or Thanos in Marvel Avengers. Those move really lifelike, perhaps more so than you would think from an animation. And that's because we're capturing actual human movement using these motion capture systems and then overlaying an image uh, top them like a Thanos or an orc from Lord of the Rings. Um, so it's the same technology that we're using in the Blister Labs video. We're using those same motion capture markers and we're seeing how a bike rim moves throughout space as we hit different obstacles. Um, so if you watch the video, you'll see a lot of those shiny little silver dots and our motion capture system is recording the position of each one of those dots as the mountain bike goes through the frame. And it's, it's amazing. It's doing it at 1000 frames per second, which is really neat. So we can capture a lot of very fine detail. If you were to take maybe a picture every one second, when you hit a rock, you're going to miss a lot of the deformation that happens when you hit that rock. But at a thousand frames per second, hopefully we can capture all the important aspects of that collision or that impact. And we must calibrate it with a squeegee slash wand, mm -hmm. bringing us full circle. Which is what created the amazing interpretive dance portions. Mm -hmm. Now, admittedly, in the final video that we put out, there's we reduced the amount of interpretive dance because the way that we like initially had it, you were just doing this interpretive dance and we hadn't set anything up. So we kind of had to do some re-editing. And now, right now, I feel very mm. bad that this happened. You could release a bloopers clip. The like the extended the, edition. The extended edition. Yes. Just 10 minutes of you doing interpretive dance with a squeegee. Squeegee slash wand. Yeah. In that video, our colleague and friend, Greg Vanderbeek, offers a pretty good explanation about why we're doing what we're doing with the wheel set testing and what we're looking to accomplish. And you have just said, well, what we're doing with the motion capture system. But Greg mentions this a bit. He either mentions this in the video or in the last Blister Labs Gear 30 conversation I had with him. We will include a link in the show notes of this episode to that conversation with Greg. But a big thing here now is, okay, cool. We got these fancy cameras, really fancy cameras. Very. Very. And we're capturing riders coming through a track and capturing a thousand frames a second per second. But now we've got to isolate some things, right? And it, do I have this right that that is actually the real hard part? Yes, that that is hard. So you mentioned how Jonathan made the mocap gods angry. I did not make them angry. Uh, it wasn't working for some reason. That was your fault. <laughs> you should be better at your job. Uh, yes. I, heard, yeah, I just, I just true. hurt Travis's feelings. Oh, a little I'm bit, sorry. A little I take bit, it back. But it's okay. Yeah. I'll take the heat. We'll uh, <laughs> no. redact that. No, that's staying Bob. <laughs> no, that's staying in. <laughs> okay. So, no, setting it up's not trivial. Not to say that, that whoever's in charge of setting up these cameras, me, say d d to degrade, deride that. What word do I want? Deride? Derives. Derision. What's the adjective for we derision? We don't want to deride whoever deride? set up the cameras. Yeah. We don't want to impugn. Impugn. One might say. We don't want to make them sound like big dum-dums. Yeah, yeah. That. Mm -hmm. In part because I'm the one who sets them up. Right. But once we capture that data is where some of the ingenuity comes into. It was a really clever idea to take these cameras and apply them into this into this space. And I think we're, as far as I know, the first people to use motion capture systems to quantify any mountain bike sort of data. So that's ingenuitive on its own. But then what do we actually do with that data? That's where some of the math comes in that can be quite difficult. Um, for me, at least, maybe somebody else has a really strong aptitude for math and thinks this is all trivial. Me. Yeah, you me, got this. No big deal, but yeah, me. We tried to have you come over. I tempted you, gave you a whiteboard marker, mm. and you were like, I have better things to do. <laughs> I need to go running. You're like, that's your excuse. Anytime I want to spend time with you, it's because you have to go running that <laughs> we go. aren't together. Well, 
Okay, so the math part is hard. <laughs> math part's hard. Uh, so why is that? Why is the math part hard? So we had 32 markers on that mountain bike rim, and we have 1,000 frames per second. So we have three different data points, X, Y, Z, for 32 markers, 1,000 of those per second. That's a lot of data. Mm. And we need to find a way to visualize that not in terms of how we as the viewer of the video sees it, we could just play back the video. But instead, let's look at that from the wheels perspective. Let's imagine how the wheel, if we were to perhaps imagine that we're sitting on the axle, we're sitting on the axle, how do we see the wheel deform? Uh, that's hard to capture just by watching the video. Um, and so that's where some of the math comes into play. We need to take all those data points and then we're going to get into some matrices. Um, for this particular case, we have a four by four matrix for those of you who are interested in transformation matrices. Everybody. That's everybody in the Gear 30 audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the real riveting stuff. Get out your popcorn and your He's new moved image. On. He's moved on to his next beer. This one is That's real nice. really good. Right? This is now, Travis is on to New <sighs> Image East Coast Transplant. I, because I'm working out after this, despite Travis's best efforts to derail me, I'm now on the Athletic Brewing Free Wave Hazy IPA, a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, you had those at the Blister Summit, and I got like three deep, and I was like, this is magical stuff. I don't feel impeded in any way. It's pretty great. And I think it was Greg mentioned they were non-alcoholic. And I was like, oh, am I even here? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Back to 4 by 4 matrices. Yeah. So, we're going to take all these data points. This is a big file size for a full mountain bike run. And we're going to translate that viewpoint. We're going to do a transformation matrix so that we're seeing how the rim behaves if we were to just look at the rim um ignoring the fact that it's moving side to side and up and down and up and down let's just look straight on at that rim and let's see how that deformation occurs over time as soon as we hit a rock it's going to squish hopefully um towards the axle and then the top part of the rim is going to extend away from the axle and capturing that and viewing that just from a video recording is pretty difficult but we take these data markers do some math um and then view view that deformation and can actually do calculations with that deformation because it's not just a visual but a numerical output as well and quantify how much does the rim deform when we hit the rock we can quantify how much is the rim twisting as we go through a berm so we're trying to quantify radial compliance um so we're taking real world applications and not just recreations of these events in a lab we're actually recording them in real time out in the field and then backing out these numerical uh these numerical values for what's happening as we hit rocks through things like linear algebra and matrices and stuff mm -hmm. and actually i want to hear you do this the end game for all this or the reason why we are bothering to do this greg has talked about this well but i'm curious yeah. to hear your yeah. particular verbiage <laughs> if we were to have a scale of like zero to ten for for smart sounding word you'd be like number one because you can make up words like edification that's a real uh, word equitification 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 that's like the best thing i've definitely done all day yeah for sure equitification i'm into that especially since you're not going to run after this and we're going to have some drinks that runs not going to be the best thing of your day because it's not going to happen <laughs> damn it i know anyway um you've said you're you don't Think of yourself as the word guy I'm so not much. The word You're guy. the math guy. And Greg is really good at the words. Meh, so, meh. <laughs> Greg, we, I think you're good at the words. Yeah. Uh, and Greg's, that's what's important. It's only my opinion that matters. 
<laughs> Greg's awesome. <laughs> Greg um, awesome. No, he but really but is. but let's try your hand at it. Yeah. So as we read through the blister review, we hear a lot of qualitative comments on how a rim performs. We uh, might hear the rim is squishy or playful or um, a lot of these different these different words. But how can we take the numbers that come from using these rims in the field? How can we take the numbers from that and correlate it to these qualitative assessments? And that's all fine and dandy, and that's a lot of fun. But then for the user, maybe, maybe the user is not as interested in that unless you're a nerd and you think it's really interesting. But you might hear that an aluminum rim versus a carbon rim have different characteristics. But if you don't weigh a lot, perhaps, then an aluminum rim might behave very comparably yeah. to a carbon rim. And that's what we're out to find. We're trying to figure out how these rims behave in a variety of load scenarios so that a user can see graphically that perhaps I'm either a lightweight or a heavyweight or an mm -hmm. aggressive rider or a timid rider and maybe see how a rim will, will how they'll experience that rim mm -hmm. um, qualitatively and quantitatively. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty well done for a guy who sucks at words. Thanks. Sometimes I just open my mouth and watch what falls out. <laughs> Occasionally it works well for me. Hopefully this is one of those times. I mean, I guess we're about to find out. This Everybody, goes live Friday. Uh, like and subscribe. Oh, I was actually going to tell <laughs> you were my hilarious. <laughs> you were like, everybody like and subscribe. You're trying to shout out every, every like potential like brand partnership we have. I, this was completely unprompted, but I need this to was, have you on way more uh, frequently. While we're promoting Red Bull, sponsor me. That's one of my dreams. But for math, because I'm not a great athlete. You so. want Red Bull to sponsor you, but for math. I don't know. Well, I can't get sponsored for base jumping because no. I don't do that. No. Uh, but I do a decent job at math and I really want a helmet. I want a Red Bull helmet. No, you're never getting one of those. Even for math? You're n probably never. I think that but we can do <clears throat> Here's the deal. <laughs> do you know we have a... No. I shouldn't, I sh I shouldn't say that. We it's actually... I'm going to say... We, we have a Red Bull <gasps> refrigerator in the oh. back of HQ. I don't need that. I know you don't, but like we I do mean, have that. If you're offering it, take it, but... No, we're not offering <laughs> Um Maybe we need to get Red Bull involved with Blister Labs. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I like when you're like, all I want to do is be sponsored by Red Bull, but for math, when people say incredibly ludicrous things, I like to then actually try to go <gasps> make those things happen. So do it. you've you've planted a seed. The seed. And I've we've got we've got a few connections there. So maybe nice. maybe but you're never getting a Red Bull helmet, just to be clear. Okay, okay. Yeah, that that's a maybe very a sticker. I, I maybe a sticker, but I I yeah the, But we can't make any promises. No. Um, anyway, you mentioned it coming out on Friday. I was actually going to tell my students that the answer for the final question number three, the answer is three, but the final's on Thursday, so this doesn't help them. Oh, because um, you wanted them to have to listen to yeah. this. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Well, can you do like an extra credit thing? Well, the final's already over by Friday. Oh, uh, can't you go like, uh, not preemptively, but retroactively, retroactively? Doc totally. grades. Yeah, we'll there give everybody go. minus four if they minus don't. four. I just fail them. Everybody gets an F. Yeah, unless everyone... they email me. What time does this drop? Friday. Friday should be Friday morning. Okay, if Rem everybody, all of you people in System Dynamics, if you don't email me Friday by noon with yeah. the word pigalacious, pigalacious, then you fail. Okay. Yes. Yes. By the way, talk a little bit about the two courses you're teaching right now. You're, yeah. you're doing system dynamics? Yep. System dynamics and intro to robotics. Yeah. That makes you sound really smart. Like I, know. I you know, like it really, that's pretty good. That's, Both of those uh, sound like if you're at a party and people are like, they look at you and they're like, this guy seems interesting. What do you do? And you're like, I teach system dynamics and intro to robotics. People will be like, damn. 
immediate conversation killer because they're like, nerd. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go talk to my Red Bull friends. All right. Give us the quick, what what are you doing in your systems dynamic class? If I was a student inquiring, wanted to take it. Yeah. System dynamics. System dynamics is a course where we learn how to simplify complex systems so we can think of a car. Let's say we want to characterize a car's suspension. There's a lot of complex physical phenomenon that are uh, influencing how your car suspension behaves. But in system dynamics, we're going to try to reduce that. Let's think of your car suspension as a mass, a spring, and a damper. So we, we prescribe, that's our model. We say this is, this is how we're going to simplify our system. How can we then um, make that model into reality? So for one of the labs, which I really enjoyed, was I had the students go out and uh, bounce up and down on their cars and measure the deflection so Amazing. we could like see how much their suspension deflects uh, <laughs> with different loading. So we had different weighted people jump on, on the car. Um, but then with that, Let's model what happens under different scenarios. So we've characterized it for this 150-pound person bouncing up and down every second. What happens when we go over a washboard? What happens when you hit one big bump? We want to characterize complex systems in a simple way that we can extrapolate to uh, other modes of interaction with the world. And we can do that for car suspension. We can do it for a thermostat. Like when you set your thermostat to 70 degrees, how long is it going to take for it to get to 70 degrees? How much is it going to overshoot? If you go on a trip to Iceland, which by the way, how was that? That was oh. like a long time ago. Well, I went recently as well. I went this past May. <laughs> and then I went two years before that. I think Wait, is that right? Or two years know. in a row? Must have been two years in a row because I feel like we were talking about it. It turns anyway, out. Turns out it's great. Anyway, you turn off your you turn off your thermostat for a week. You get home. It's really chilly in the house, so you turn it on. You said seventy degrees. How far above seventy degrees is it going to get? It's not going to just stop at seventy degrees. It might get to seventy two, and then drop to sixty eight, and then finally settle at seventy. So we want to be able to characterize things like a car suspension or a thermostat or an electrical circuit and uh, extrapolate how it's going to behave under different loading conditions. And that's what system dynamics is all about. It's a lot of fun. Um, hopefully, students agree as well. I think it's fun, though. Are you going to get some student evaluations coming in? Yes. I'm guessing you actually have very high marks when it comes to student evaluations. As a former professor, who I'm going to I'm going to brag right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mine were like great. Yeah. Eh? Students either were dumb or had questionable taste, <laughs> but like I think you like engineering can be dry and boring and maybe not attract always the most dynamic professors oh much like philosophy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And maybe it's probably not as bad as philosophy. Philosophy, man, the philosophy professors, like back in the day, yeah. I was like, it would help if you weren't the most boring human beings on earth. Because <laughs> it turns out this topic is really important and yeah. you make everything like the most important subjects in the world super boring. Big yeah. complaint I had with academic philosophy. Yes. But I, I think that, I, I think that, I mean, by the way, shout out to our entire like blister labs faculty yes. it is remarkable it's amazing i mean people have heard the conversations with jenny on yeah. here on gear 30 mm -hmm. jenny and sean and lauren cooper and mm -hmm. sean humbert i greg. mean yeah i was gonna leave greg out actually. oh yeah yeah the disregard him He's, yeah <laughs> we just have Do you him think along Greg's for gonna listen meat. to this i hope so <laughs> this is my character piece Don't. <laughs> okay. i'm gonna tell him to no it, it's it's a like we have a remarkable squad it's really? remarkable. Yes. They're all, they're, they're smart, they're fun to be around, yeah. and they're genuinely good humans. Yeah. I feel like sometimes there's people who fit some of those categories, but mm -hmm. these all just feel like good people mm -hmm. who are so good at what they do. And really passionate about the outdoors. Really passionate about the outdoors. And they're good communicators. Um, yes. Like can hang role and be, models there yeah and can be like normal and talk to normal people about these things mm -hmm. anyway and they really strive to bring anybody who's interested in stem 
into the field. So Lauren does summer camps uh, that target middle schoolers mm-hmm. and elementary school students. And we, she tries really hard to make sure that anybody, despite their background, can have fun in mm-hmm. what is a fun field. But you may not realize that until you're deep in it. Like mm-hmm. at first, engineering is pretty boring. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool, and and this faculty really tries hard to equitification of the equitification. And the thing I like is everybody is really fun and a good person, but that doesn't mean that they aren't going real hard at the stuff they're doing, right? And that to me is like- They work so hard. Yeah. And we might be joking around a lot in this conversation, but when it comes to this stuff, like it gets dead serious when it needs to get dead serious. Yes. And then not dead serious when it doesn't need to be dead serious. Yes. So bottom line is, frankly, if you're a student thinking about going into engineering and you aren't looking at this Western Colorado University CU Boulder partnership program, you're basically doing life wrong, in my humble opinion. If you like, I mean... It's, I don't even want to say the outdoor, like it's clearly a great program if you're interested in the outdoors, but it offers more than that as well. So next semester I'm teaching artificial intelligence and machine learning wow. that isn't going to have a strong emphasis in the outdoor industry. Mm-hmm. And I still think we put together a good program. So it's, we offer this small classroom size. And like you said, faculty who are passionate about mm-hmm. the outdoors, what they do for fun and engineering. Yeah. Greg, I think Greg had like a custom chopper shop yep. for a while. Yeah. He, uh, uh, Jenny was director of various programs at various big name universities. Yeah. These are people who are in Gunnison because they want to be in Gunnison. It yeah. wasn't some fallback option. They chose to be here. And it's such a great opportunity. Amazing faculty. Dude, the other thing is now we're just making news. <laughs> We're drawing faculty interest from like yes. all around the world. Yes. Yeah. We and just so, opened up a computer science hire and had some great applications. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. Yeah. 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 There's some, there's good things to be had here. Yeah. Definitely. I feel like we were maybe supposed to talk about Blister Labs specific things more. Math. Math. I don't even, it's fine. This was kind of, it is, this is actually what our friend Greg Vanderbeek, he was like, we, there needs to be the Gear 30 Blister Labs episode that is, to quote Greg, a character piece on Travis. And I was like, Greg, that's not a thing. Like no one in media, like that's not a thing, but we've done it, I think. And so, um, we break ground. Yeah. And so what, what we can do, we'll have you back on Gear 30. We did Greg's character piece. Yes. And we'll talk more about laboratory stuff. We will talk more about laboratory stuff. Okay. Um, let's end with a pressure filled question though. Ooh. When do we get the damn results oh from gosh. the wheel set testing? You should oh stop slacking. I know. And I get really to the to million lines of code. So many. So many. The world wants to know. The world I would needs say to know. here's here. Like, look, the world needs to in know. the Northern Hemisphere, apologies to the Southern Hemisphere. But you're less important and we all know it. No, no, <laughs> that, that was not my words. Um, we love you down there, Southern Hemisphere. Um, oh my gosh. We have to be rolling out results by March. Okay. I'm going to have... We have not had this conversation. In case we have you were not wondering. had this conversation. March. We're March 1. This out of our nose. Um, because it'd be inappropriate to use other body because parts. Because I want to put, I want to start getting this okay, into yeah, like this our bike important. buyer's guide. Yes. Yeah. We got to put this in so many places. Okay. By, let's, okay. 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 By, so I showed you really cool animations, GIFs or GIFs, depending on who you are, animations. But I told, I told you that we couldn't publish them because they didn't have proper labels or mm-hmm. axes, uh, units. I'm going to have you a proper animation by January 15th. Okay. It's going to blow your mind. Okay. By February 15th, we're going to have words to go with that animation. Okay. And by March 15th, we're going to be publishing 
Results? Whatever you want to publish. <laughs> Any, wait, no, that's not how it works. Not whatever I want. Oh, you mean related to yes, our yes. wheel testing. I'm not, okay. I'm not saying we're going to say the words that you want to say. I'm not going to say like uh, hashtag Red Bull's the best, even though we know it's true. Uh, but we'll have, if you say which energy drink is the best, I'll give you an answer. Okay. By March 15th. That part got weird. I don't know about that last, very last thing. Well, but I felt like I kind of insinuated that your reviews are whatever you want the reviews to be, and that's not the case. So I had to clarify whatever result, whatever question you have can be answered by March 15th, maybe, uh, and try to get myself sponsored for math at the same time. So it's kind of like a wombo combo statement there. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, we clearly need to wrap this up. Uh, this is what we're going to do, though. Okay. Normally, I record... We get to the end of a conversation. Then I record a weekly what we're celebrating. Yes. But we're going to do this right now okay. because I think we already have the answer. Yes. This week, we are raising a glass or a can in your case. Actually, a can in your case and my case. We have glasses over there if you want, though. Nope. We're okay. sticking with the cans. Cans. Um, Hashtag thank you, New Image Brewing. Yep. And Athletic Brewing Free Wave Hazy IPA. Um, hmm. We are raising a glass to Fred Ward. Yes. Your oh auto gosh. shop teacher. He's, oh. Is Fred still doing I his thing? I don't know. You don't well, know. You he's, should, not, you... he's not a teacher. <laughs> We're going to go on tangents because that's what we do here. Yeah. On the Travis character piece and hopefully just to Gear 30 in general. Yeah. But uh, he was my auto shop teacher in high school. And then I bounced around colleges for a while. I didn't settle into mechanical engineering at first. Uh, but I went to college for being a mechanic. And Fred Ward just happened to have retired huh. uh, from uh, high school the year after I graduated. And I showed up to his class not knowing it was going to be him at the university. And I walked in, oh, Mr. Ward. And I was like five minutes late, which is fine because I'm five minutes late to everything. But you're 10 minutes late to everything. Mm, so uh, it worked out for this podcast. Yeah. And uh, cracked him up because apparently it specifically said, don't call me Mr. Ward. Call me Fred. And nice. I walked in, Mr. Ward. Um, but I don't think he works for the, that university anymore. So I don't know. I don't know. I've been meaning to look him up. I don't know how you, you look, look up him old up. people. You just go to like the phone book. I don't know. He's not on Facebook. He's know. old. I don't know how you do that, but it's something that I've wanted to do. You know what? Related story. Yes. So I was in Italy this past June and then I actually went back in November, but nice. in June, mm -hmm. I was in Florence. I've talked about that. And the reason that I went to Florence is because the single professor that I went to graduate school to study with, one person very specifically, shout out to Arnold Davidson. Yes. He lived in Florence half the year and then was on the oh. south side of Chicago the other half a year of the year. Wow. And so this was the individual, like Florence wasn't really on my radar as yeah. a 22-year-old. Yeah. And- I was like, man, Florence, like it sounds kind of amazing and someday I'm going to get there. Well, it took me quite a while yeah. to actually get there. And so while I was there, I was telling a friend of mine this story, like why this has been kind of a, you know, a long, long pilgrimage, you know, in, in, in the making. And she was like, you have to email him or send him a note and just tell him like, I'm in Florence. And I was like, nah, this it's been too long. Like, and she was adamant about it. And I wrote this note and had a chance to basically just say, thank you. Like you made a remarkable impact on my life. Yes. And I'm actually in Florence now because of you. And while I'm no longer in the academic philosophy gang, yeah, like we're kind of doing something now that actually reaches a whole lot of people around the yes. world and it is every day influenced by all those years and the training and philosophy and the rest and he sent me back the most generous gracious note really yeah and and he was never good at email or anything like yeah. that and it was so wonderful and i thanked then my friend who was yeah. adamant that you need to write this so anyway 
that was kind of my story. Now I feel like I need to be the person yes. pushing you to send Fred Ward a note. Okay. And we all need to do this. We yes. all need to do this with yes. the people in our lives who were like, wow, this person actually kind of set a course. Yeah. And and so I maybe actually even talked about this on a previous Gear 30, but we'll use this opportunity to say it again. Do it. Like reach yes. out and and thank an individual who affected the trajectory of your life like a Fred Ward. Yes. Or like an Arnold Davidson. Yes. And that's what we're celebrating. Okay. Cheers to that, mate. Cheers to that. And I look forward to the next one of these. And I look forward to getting on the mountain. Yes, yes. And I look forward to getting you covered because I'm terrified yes, yes. giving your setup. Me too. And well, I'm not terrified. And yes. we're gonna and we're gonna have some talks about your current ski setup. Yes, yes. Oh man, I'm psyched for the next one. Uh like I said at the Christmas party, besties for life now. Mm-hmm. Um I love the summer, Simon. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. And that then brings us to the end of this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Travis for that wild ride of a conversation and for all the incredibly important work that he is doing at Blister Labs. I want to say thanks, of course, to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this conversation. And thanks to you for listening. And from our entire team here at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else. And we will talk to you again real soon.